0: What I'd like to do this morning is to begin by giving a short talk. Well, since somebody mentioned yesterday about the Eightfold Path, I thought I might talk about that and about how meditation fits into that, just so that we have some sense of the context of our practice. It's not just an exercise that we do for the sake of it, but it's for the sake of something much bigger, Uh, It's something that can inform the whole of our lives and general sense of well-being and also supporting well-being in those around us and uh, maybe the whole planet, all beings, everywhere. So I never know quite where to begin with the Eightfold Path (laughs) because everywhere you start is important. But maybe I'll start off in the middle with the really basic guidelines that I spoke about last night. So there are three factors of the path relating to those right speech, right action and right livelihood. So as I said last night, we try to train ourselves to be careful about how we use this capacity we have to communicate through speech trying to recognize when we're not being completely honest and to adjust our way of speaking becoming more aware of our speech habits so that we're more careful in how we use language, learning how to speak in ways that are going to be supportive and encouraging rather than in ways that cause harm or division And speech is, it's a most wonderful tool. It can bring about some really remarkable benefits in the world. It can also cause enormous amounts of suffering and confusion and unhappiness, both for ourselves and for other people as well. So it's not a small thing, cultivating right speech. One of the other aspects of right speech, it's so habitual and so immediate. So when we come to the practice, we begin to have an appreciation of just how easy it is to just react, to say something mean, to respond from a place of anger or righteous indignation. How dare they do this? And then to get carried off on a whole drama based on one little thing. And that can set other people off. (laughs) One of the things I really like is when the Buddha is talking about ill will, he said it's like a disease. So if we speak with ill will, we very quickly spread the disease to others. So it's not a small thing, learning how to be careful to use speech in a way that is going to bring understanding, and cooperation, harmony among people, and speech that is true. This is very supportive for our own heart. We'll talk about that in a minute or two. The next one is right livelihood. uh, Sorry, right action. And it's interesting that this one, when the Buddha talks about it, he talks about it much more in, in terms of refraining from wrong action, So refraining from killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, these kinds of inappropriate, unhelpful, selfish, harmful ways of acting. But we can also see it in a more positive way. Learning how to use our bodies, use our skills for people's welfare or for the welfare of a community. so being willing to help out if there's a difficulty, if there's a need, being willing to support somebody who may be struggling physically, you know, an old lady trying to get across the road, you can offer to help her. And, you know, at home, just looking for ways that you can um, make your home a more peaceful, more beautiful environment for yourself and the people that you live with. So refraining from the wrong, harmful action and cultivating beneficial action. And generosity, like learning how to share what we have for others' welfare. All kinds of kindness, sharing our skills, these kind of things. And then right, livelihood, which is just that we consider, the wider effects of our livelihood and it may be that for some of you you have some doubts about your livelihood that you're not very comfortable about the way that you're earning your your living it doesn't feel as though it's quite in accordance with the precepts and sometimes there's no choice sometimes this is what you have to do sometimes it can be helpful to consider is there something else i could do to earn my living So to earn one's living in ways that are scrupulously honest, so we're not involved in a kind of business that is taking advantage or has any kind of dishonesty involved in terms of how how we make our money, how the money comes in. So being scrupulously honest as far as we can. And a livelihood that supports well-being, that does not cause harm to other creatures or humans. So to stay away from anything to do with weapons or poisons or harmful substances, drug dealing, don't be a drug dealer, (laughs) even if it's very lucrative. (laughs) Stay away from some kind of livelihood that could cause harm to others and that will cause harm to yourself as well. So that's the middle section of the path, those are factors three, four and five. Now, if we take care of those, which is what we call sila, like how we live, what we do with our speech, with our bodies, our actions. If we take care of that, then the next section is also uh, to some degree taken care of. The next section is what we call samadhi or focusing the mind. This is where meditation comes in. If we're constantly taking advantage of people, if we're constantly lying or deceiving people or even deceiving ourselves, if our whole life is based on something that doesn't feel very good to us, then our meditation is going to be affected by that. Because when we sit quietly, as I said yesterday, we will remember, (laughs) that's just a function of the mind. We sit with the results of what we've done. The chant that we did last night and this morning, the last section of it, where it talks about all actions with intention, whether skillful or unskillful, of such acts, we will be the heir. This is a very important reflection for us. What we do, what we speak, how we live matters in terms of our overall sense of inner calm and balance. So the three factors of the six, seven, and eight factors of the path are a right effort. And I'd like to speak about this in more detail sometime, but basically the effort to discern any unwholesome state that has arisen and to dispel it, to abandon it, the effort to avoid the arising of unwholesome states the effort to discern when there's a wholesome state and to protect that, to develop that, and the effort to develop wholesome states that maybe haven't arisen yet. So these four kinds of right effort. I think I might have got them in the wrong order, but anyway, that's basically what it is, to avoid what's harmful and to cultivate what's good. I also like to think of right effort in terms of considering the right amount of effort. And this can be very significant in our meditation because sometimes, you know, if we're a little bit anxious about our meditation or overambitious, then we might try too hard. You know, we can become very, very tense and very frustrated if we haven't found the right balance of effort. Of course, sometimes we have to get it wrong before we can get it right. So like when you learn how to ride a bicycle, you tip over to one side, so you come back to the middle. Maybe you tip over to the other side, come back to the middle. So it's, it's a kind of balancing. So finding just the right amount of effort so that we're not getting very tense and frustrated, which actually makes the mind more active, more agitated. On the other hand, if we don't put enough effort we're too relaxed, too easygoing, the mind can get very sloppy and very dull and we can fall asleep. We can nod off. So finding just the right amount of effort is important for our meditation. And I'll probably talk about that as we start meditation practice itself. So right effort, right mindfulness. Mindfulness is presence, isn't it? And there are different ways that we can anchor the awareness with the body with the feel itself and with thought with the thoughts that are in the mind these are ways that we establish mindfulness so mindfulness is presence that we're here if the mind is drifting off if we're thinking planning anxious about something to happen in the future or if we're lingering in the past then we need to recognize that And that recognition itself is a moment of mindfulness as opposed to being drawn into our involving ourselves with the patterns of thinking that arise. Even though usually (laughs) they're very, very interesting. (laughs) They're very attractive. They draw us. We want to get involved. We, We like the thoughts, even the slightly unpleasant thoughts we seem to get attracted to. And this is partly to do with atta. They support a sense of being somebody, which in Buddhist teachings, we need to constantly challenge this sense of being somebody because that somebody (laughs) can be the cause of enormous amount of suffering. So we learn how to, it's like an act of renunciation really, when we have an interesting thought drawing us into the future, this wonderful thing that's going to happen, or this fantastic thing that happened in the past, or this big problem that we have, we relinquish that, we abandon it, we leave it be and keep coming back to the present moment. So we're mindful of the breath, of the body, of sound, of whatever we choose to be mindful of in the present moment. So right mindfulness, right concentration just learning how to gather the mind, to collect the mind, rather than being pulled into every direction. And this aspect of concentration is called samasamadhi. It's clearly relevant in our meditation practice. It's also relevant in the whole of our life. I mean, even washing the dishes goes better when we're focused on what we're doing. you know, not having an interesting conversation about something else, but actually focused on what we're doing. So learning how to gather the mind, to collect the mind, so we can focus on what it is that we need to attend to. So when we take care of this samadhi section of the path, the the meditation section, effort, mindfulness, concentration, the mind will begin to settle. It may not settle very much, but it'll settle enough for you to have a perspective on the mind. And this is the beginning of right understanding, which is actually the first factor of the path. So number one and two are right understanding and right intention. So right understanding is actually really understanding why we suffer. Where where does our suffering come from? Is it because of our environment? Is it because of our husband or wife? Is it because of the weather? Is it because we don't have enough money to buy the latest, most fashionable clothes or that cosmetic that they tell us on the TV that we absolutely have to have if we want to continue looking young forever? Is that the cause of our suffering? Or that argument that we had with somebody, is that the cause of our suffering? Now, according to the Buddhist teachings, he said, no, that's not the cause of our suffering. He clearly recognized, and his essential teaching, I mean, if you want to kind of summarize the Buddha's teachings, what he said was, I teach suffering and I teach the ending of suffering. So we need to recognize suffering. We need to understand suffering, how it arises. And I think maybe the most simplest way of explaining it is just suffering arises because we want things to be different from the way that they are. It's because of investing in that wanting. It's natural, perhaps, to want things to be a certain way. But if we... Invest in that rather than just simply be aware of it, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a dissonance between how things actually are and how we would like them to be. Now, it can be a very major, you know, when we talk about suffering, we tend to think of something very, very major, you know, some kind of, I don't know, terrible disease or war, awful bereavement or enormous disappointment. But suffering can actually be very, very subtle. You know, We can struggle with very, very small things. And it's interesting because in monastic life, a lot of our suffering is about very small things. And it's difficult not to perpetuate that by thinking, oh, I shouldn't be suffering about this. I shouldn't mind about this. And that, of course, that makes more suffering. You know, Why do I mind? Because my tea's not hot. Why do I mind? Because she's sitting in front of me. Why do I mind because of the weather? Why do I mind about these things? Why do I mind because she had the last piece of chocolate? (laughs) You know, very trivial things, very small things. But when we practice, we actually are encouraged to really look into our suffering, to really being willing to acknowledge that there's a struggle going on. This is the first step to the ending of it. To acknowledge that there's a struggle going on there's something something not okay here why is that what do I want to be different from how it is maybe it's I don't want to mind about this <laughs> I want to be just perfectly serene and and let go yeah that's a very noble wish but maybe we do mind <laughs> so we have to learn how to be very very patient with that minding So right understanding is about really having a clear understanding of where suffering comes from, why it arises, looking into the causes of suffering, the different kinds of desire that we tend to invest in, uh, beginning to, as we let go, as we are able to abandon those desires, not necessarily get rid of them, but no longer believe in them or invest in them, then we experience the cessation of suffering. We actually come to a place of peace, which is very exciting. The moment of letting go and just thinking, "Ah, oh, it's really all right. It really doesn't matter. I don't need to get upset about this. Just coming to that quiet place. And then, of course, the Eightfold Path, which is what I'm talking about. So understanding the Four Noble Truths is right understanding, right view. And then the final factor of the path is right intention, which is again about discernment, learning how to recognize, to be aware, to attune to the kind of thoughts that you're having. And if the thoughts are harmful, thoughts of ill will, greed, cruelty, and so on, then we learn how to transform these. We try not to follow them because. If we do, then the likelihood is that we'll cause some kind of harm to ourselves or somebody else. And if there are wholesome thoughts, thoughts of kindness, generosity, compassion, renunciation, these kind of wholesome thoughts, wholesome intentions, then we follow those. So coming to an understanding of right intention. So this is the, a kind of summary of the Eightfold Path.